0: Now it's time for News With My Dad, the show we talk about the news with my dad, and on the telephone, playing the role of my dad, is in fact my dad, star of our show, Joe Smith, Pop, how you doing?
1: Well, I understand that this is our last broadcast of the year, and so we better be good.
0: We will do our best as a show. We talk about the news. We try to talk about the important stuff. Sometimes we talk about the unimportant stuff. When it's unimportant, we try to say so. We take turns. Dad typically takes the first turn. Pop,
1: do you have a shout out? I have a shout out. I have more than one shout out, this is, no, as I often do. I want a shout out for Gary Trudeau and Doonesbury, and especially for the Doonesbury that ran yesterday. I just so wish that we were that we I was able to show it to you but I got to describe it because it is so great Mike Doonesbury is going into coming into a store and he says whoa those stairs are cold and then somebody says hey look at mask boy because Mike's wearing a mask and Mike thinks better make this quick and people say to him can you believe this jerk must be from the city or Canada so PC I'll bet he stops at red lights liberty hater tyranny lover and pays taxes. Probably thinks Biden won. Hey, socialist, COVID's not real. It's a fake disease, idiot. Mike says, do you have? And the clerk says, sorry, can't hear you through that thing. Mike leaves. Let me out of here. And here's, bye-bye, snowflake. See you, loser. And as he goes out, he says, they're all yours, to a big picture of the virus walking in saying thanks buddy we're going to we're, we're going to see we we're, we're, we're going to see evolution reducing the number of far right folk over left folks i think in the next while that's my big shout out but i also want to shout out to the black church leaders in the southern baptist convention who are speaking out against the publication by six Baptist seminary leaders that panned critical race theory. Critical race theory, of course, just acknowledges the fact of how much race has had to do with U.S. history and with the Southern Baptist Convention. Ralph West is taking his megachurch out. Other black leaders are protesting. I compliment them for speaking
0: up well dad a question i asked out into the invisible loving and sometimes not perhaps void 971-220-5979 it's 971-220-5979 that's the text line is big stories this year things that we ought to remember the crazy wacky stuff that happened this year that shaped this year want to hear that but where do you want to start this morning
1: well, you, you called last night and, and asked me to think of, of stuff the, the last year that's big or important, and, and you, you asked me for two things, and I have two things. And the first one is, on the 3rd of November, we, well, and over the next few days, after the 3rd of November, we were assured that the four-year attack on democracy and good sense and good government was really going to end. It really, really was going to end. And it really is going to end. And that was very, very big for me. And the but the other thing the other thing hit me was just something that happened yesterday. Yesterday I took in a little bit of the father son golf tournament in Florida where Tiger Woods with his 11-year-old son Charlie were out competing his 11-year-old son who looks so much like him who, whose mannerisms are such like him and with a golf ball like him you cannot believe this 11-year-old kid but what that made me so aware of was how lucky I am To have you and Jonathan, it reminded me. It brought back strongly the wonderful experience I had 41 years ago when I was watching your soccer match, and the score was zero to zero, and you captured the ball and ran, dribbling the ball all the way down the field and scored the only goal of the game. And I thought. That, and I was running down the side shouting go for it, go for it, go for it and, and and then all of the memories that I have of you and how lucky I am to have Jonathan who takes such good care of me who lives now with me and I just, uh, I'm just really grateful Well
0: Dad, we're grateful to you I'm grateful to X-Ray listeners and grateful to everybody who helps make this show possible As we look at national news, Dad one thing we know is there has been an inaccurate estimate of vaccine doses being, I don't know if we say vaccine doses or vaccination doses, probably vaccine doses being distributed. The head of Operation WorkSpeed, General Gustav Pirna, has taken responsibility for it. We know that Oregon and Washington both received fractions of the doses that were expected. General Pirna believed that more would be ready, says there's no issue with the process or the vaccines. He says, I failed, I'm adjusting, I'm fixing, we'll move forward from there. Trump blamed it on Pfizer. Pfizer said, "We've got all the vaccine in the warehouse. We just don't have instructions to ship it. We haven't
1: been told where to send it."
0: My instructions are send it. That's my, you know, like you you just start handing out on the street corner.
1: What I don't understand is how hard would it be to just say, "Oh, okay, well, Pfizer, how many do you have?" And we here we have 50 states, and we'll divide that by population, and we're in 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 the space of 30 minutes, somebody with a pen and and paper. Could figure out what to tell Pfizer.
0: I don't think it takes a complex series of TPS reports to determine where they need to go. I may be simplifying it too much, but literally, if you just went to Winco, if you just went to various stores around the country where frontline workers are, just went to various hospitals and, and, and started distributing them to the, uh, uh, to the workers there, it did better than the warehouse, but we'll be all right. Oregon, Washington, among the 14 states that received fewer vaccines than initially promised. Governor Inslee of Washington, his quote is disruptive and frustrating. We need accurate, predictable numbers to plan and ensure on-the-ground success. Yeah, I agree. Congress has dad approved the COVID made a deal. relief bill.
1: They're going to vote on a deal today.
0: What do you? What's in the bill? What gives you hope? What is disappointing to you?
1: <laughs> well, what's disappointing to me is that it's taken six months for them to come up with something the uh, uh, i'm uh, I'm ple- I'm pleased that apparently this is not going to grease the palms of the big corporations as much as the last one but the the details the, uh, I haven't had an opportunity to really review the details.
0: We have a one challenge we face is, is in our country is we are receiving a much smaller if you look at more uh, other wealthy, and developed countries, the, uh, we are getting much less, delivering much less in relief to workers here. The $600 bucks one time payment, it, better than zero. And apparently now there's reporting that McConnell wanted zero, but it was told that if they did zero, it would hurt him with voters who wanted something more than zero. So they compromise between zero and repeating the $1,200 one before at $600. But you compare that to what so many other countries, from Canada to Northern Europe, etc., are providing their people, and it's a pittance. Uh, the lawmakers will vote on this. Uh, millions of Americans waited for months as McConnell would not agree to big pieces of the House package uh the Dow dropped 400 points. It will be a 900 million dollar package. Uh, it also there also be uh, funding for the government through September 30th. Uh, they haven't uh, released the text of legislation. They hope to take it up in the next day or so. So when they have when they have the text, we'll know more. But it ain't the two trillion dollar CARES Act in March. And uh, and and there will be to be clear six hundred dollars to most adults and six hundred dollars per child that helps uh, two hundred eighty four billion in paycheck prote- pay- paycheck protection program and small business loans another twenty billion dollars to small business grants fifteen billion dollars to live event venues that's interesting uh, also three hundred million dollar federal or excuse me three hundred dollar federal uh, unemployment supplement and temporarily keep in place the pandemic air programs that expanded employment unemployment insurance. That was the provision that Senator Wyden uh, fought for. We are going to be speaking tomorrow, by the way. That'll probably be on the air Wednesday. We're taping the interview uh, tomorrow. I think that'll be on the air Wednesday and also on the local for listeners of the local. So, I, I, you know, it seemed to me I, I didn't think it would be possible for them not to reach a deal. I thought they'd have to reach a deal. Uh, and they got it done. They're getting it done before Christmas. So that's that's something. President-elect Joe Biden has unveiled his climate response team. Michael Reagan, head of EPA. Wait, wait, wait,
1: wait. wait. Before, you, before you change the subject, there's a little bit more about COVID I think we should talk about before we change the subject. Okie okay, doke. No. The uh, the science scientists predicted that Thanksgiving was going to produce a surge and it indeed has produced a surge they are now predicting that Christmas is going to produce a surge that next month we're going to have another, another spate probably of, of more than 3,000 people dying every day because they really do not accept the advice not to travel and not to gather in, small, in closed venues oh my Joe, Joe and Jill Biden are going to get vaccinated today on television, and uh, there's lots of argument about about who should get the next round of it. And it looks to me like I'm going to make the cut, because they were talking about people over 65. Now they're talking about people over 75. Hey, I I'm, I might be in the I might be able to get a vaccine sometime before. when it
0: comes to age minimums this is no knock this is a compliment for your longevity when it comes to age minimums you clear most of them yeah it's it, it, for somebody to create an age minimum that you would not clear it would have to be pretty aggressively placed is that fair to say
1: i think so i think so the uh, uh 29 oregon counties have been declared by the governor at extreme risk. That's all, but seven Oregon counties at extreme risk. Sounds very serious, but I think it's important to note that when you know the, the governor gets, gets, gets all kind of heck from the from the folks who are off camera on the Dunesbury piece yesterday. But Oregon is 48, eight in in. Uh, among the states is, is to how many folks per million have had the virus. And that's a good thing. The, o- the only states that have done better are Maine and Hawaii. So we've done pretty well in Oregon.
0: We have indeed. The, uh, we, are, we are doing better in terms of, uh, you know, some of our geography helps. I think, I think if I were going to make it simple, and it is you know we're close to washington state which was hit early so you could imagine it not going as well but our urban area is uh, our urban area is educated less infected by fox news which i do think i'm really waiting for somebody to do an overlay of fox news uh, viewership in counties related to density and related to covid density those three things my impression of where you have probably a very high case counts when there's high fox news viewership and significant density, uh, that I think you probably have a, a, a larger COVID case count. But that's in our urban areas, and then we have rural areas uh, that benefit from that, and also our you know rural areas where you have less density, there ought to be less COVID spread. This is, of course, what motivated Jared Kushner to uh, say, that, as Vanity Fair reported, to say that oh well it's going to be blue states who get this thing. So leave it to the governors. Don't worry about it. You don't need to prioritize this as much, President Trump, uh, because it'll be the then it will be the blue state governors that you'll have this big delta between Republican states and Democratic states, because it's really where the high density areas, be mayors and governors that have to uh, bear the brunt of this. And then, of course, we've seen actually the flip side where Republican states have been hit harder than per capita than Democratic states. Uh, and Anyway, that's what I'll say about that. Uh, Biden and the Mexican president spoke on Saturday to work on a new migration policy. Biden says he'd like to offer a plan to reduce the danger associated with crossing the border. Here's a statement of the transition team. The president-elect emphasized the need to reinvigorate U.S.-Mexico cooperation to ensure safe and orderly migration, contain COVID-19, revitalize the economies of North America, and secure our common border. Uh, Biden is appearing to lean a bit more left than anticipated on at least immigration policy. Uh, Dad, does this surprise you at all? Is it is this a place as we're as we're trying to evaluate the kind of president that Joe Biden is going to be? I guess my I have some of my own analysis on this. But what's your take?
1: Well, my my take is that Joe Biden really wants to do the right thing. He is a politician. He's a successful politician, and successful politicians constantly have to balance what in their heart they think is right, and what the, the populace will support at any given moment. Uh, but uh, the uh, part of it has just got to be he's really looking at what the problems are, and when you look at what the problems are, you have to address them. And the far right looks at addressing the problems we have like climate change and like the pandemic and like income inequality etc call for actions that they brand as as leftist stuff that's just the, the, what what is going on that what while we're talking about international by the way
0: the UK uh, I, I was going to say something say again I was going to say something
1: Okay. Go I don't ahead. know if
0: you're curious about it. I'm never curious about it. I was going to say something. What I was going to say was, uh, if you're looking just through a jaundiced political strategy eye when it comes to immigration policy, there is, and I think ge- policy generally, where there is a place where the uh, left of the Democratic Party, where the a- let's call it the activist base, let's call it the activist base Democratic Party, which is not all in one place, but the activist base Democratic Party, where it agrees with. The larger donor base within and bases within American politics, uh, both wealthy donors and with corporate donors, where there is agreement there, I don't think you're going to have to wonder that hard where Joe Biden is going to land. Where there's disagreement there, which means there will be disagree more obvious disagreement within the Democratic Party, then yeah, you know, it'll be a hard harder time guessing. But where there's agreement there, it's going to be pretty easy to guess. And when it comes to immigration policy, there is a lot of agreement there, that you have a lot of employers who would like to have, a lot of, lot of corporations who would like to have downward pressure put on wages. And you can have downward pressure put on wages by increasing the number of working human beings in the country, including uh, immigrant workers. Uh, you have no; It's not a huge priority among, uh, among wealthy individual donors to reduce immigration. Uh, and that was much more sort of the Trump voting base kind of priority, maybe even a you know the the uh, paradigmatic uh, white middle class voter, white working class voter rather. And of course, the activist base is is of only one particular loud voice. Organized labor is the one is the one potential uh, fly in that ointment that that you usually would want organized labor to be. Uh, strongly aligned. If you want to have a clear, uh, if you want to have a clear prediction of policy, and organized labor has a, a different incentive around uh, reducing or, or putting in downward pressure on wages, and organized laborers have a different view on immigration. But anyway, I'd offer that. But you were going to say something about international news. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. Well, the UK is because of COVID is being shut down and. And uh, countries are telling folks their citizens can't go to the UK because of what's happening there. There apparently is a new strain of the virus, which is is while not more fatal and also will be addressed by the vaccine, but apparently is is more more likely to be transmitted, which is serious. Uh, all. And, and what's happening right now with the U.K. commerce because of the shutdown, I wonder if it might be an omen for breakfast, for breakfast when, when Tim calls this morning. That's worth asking him. Uh, we probably should say something about the Russ cyber attacks, which DDT says assures us, oh, it's under control and it's probably China, and then goes on in the same tweet to say, I win big. The man is incredible. Nazis in Germany. Well, no,
0: let's stick around. Let's stick around with Russian cyber attacks. That's a big deal. And Pompeo has said it was almost certainly Russia. So this is Trump's guy saying it's Russia. Ain't nobody saying it's not Russia except for Russian agent Donald Trump, okay, is Russia. It does create an interesting question, is if you have, like, what is the response to cyber attacks? Presumably it's other cyber attacks. And is there other, uh, if you think about response strategy, by United States National Security. What is a, uh, what What are the appropriate array of responses to uh, to a coordinated cyber attack by a foreign government, by potentially a foreign, foreign enemy? And I guess it's just other cyber attacks, but it does, I, it's a new enough world that I don't quite understand. Like I understand the doctrine of response. I understand that if, you know, you, you, Uh, If if you do a bomb, you do a bomb back and maybe a bomb plus a plus a half a bomb. Uh, But if you keep doing that, then, of course, it just escalates. But I'm still figuring out. I still I, I haven't thought about at some point, does it transition? Do you move from just cyber attack response to other kind of response, which gets maybe even scarier? And also, we're still coming to grips with how scary cyber attacks can be. Because it ain't just taking people's social security numbers. There could be other risks of that. But that's a that's a question I have. British pound is falling as the United Kingdom is facing a new COVID strain and with a deadlock on Brexit talks indeed. Yeah, hopefully we'll talk to Tim about that. Go ahead, Pop.
1: Nazis have infiltrated the police departments in Germany, which is pretty scary. Oh, crap. The, there are about 39,000 Aussies, Australian citizens... Who are stuck, not able to get home, because of the restrictions that Australia has on how many people can come in, can come, come into this the country every day, and so there are a whole bunch of them stuck. I think it might be worth mentioning that Malawi has been named the country of the year because its Supreme Court. Cast out what was clearly a crooked election, and they're going to, and they wound up having an uncrooked election, and it's, that's worth mentioning because U.S. came was the runner-up country for the year, and the reason it was the runner-up, by the way, this was announced by the Chatham House, which is a U.K. think tank. The reason that they said U.S. came in second was first because of the vaccine and second because we are getting rid of ddt which is an interesting thing and then, then it might be worth just mentioning that the, the did you see the, the reports of the snowstorm in japan I did not snowstorm in japan re, called, stranded over a thousand cars for 10 hours because of snow, just folks just stuck for ten hours in their cars on on major a major Japanese thoroughfare. It's funny. I, I don't think of Japan getting snow that way, but I I have to remember. Yeah, they they get a lot of snow in the northern part of the country. They have winter.
0: Senator Jeff Merkley, here's what he had to say about the deal. We'll take a break in just a second. Text line here, 971 Deal is certainly better than nothing at all, given the great need across our nation, but let's be clear. This is a stopgap measure. Much more is needed to get American families' businesses on their feet and the economy back in gear. After spending $2 trillion in 2017 for tax cuts benefiting the richest Americans, Republicans are now shorting hardworking Americans and small businesses in desperate need. These negotiations should have been treated with urgency. I'm going to continue pushing to make sure the federal government does better, working quickly with compassion to make sure families have the resources they need to get through the crisis and thrive. The key is to rebuild the economy from families mainstreamed up, not Wall Street down. We have a lot more work to do once President Biden is in the White House. So, and I, you know, I don't see how the dynamic changes though, Pop. I don't see how the dynamic around uh, relief negotiations, this thing, you know, you yeah, have vaccines are being sent. Not the numbers of them that we would like to see vaccines are being sent. But there's not, I mean, we are not a couple months. We are several months. Four months is the estimate that I've heard. If you want to text in better information, we would take it. To text line 971 220 5979. Would like to know, you know, what we've heard now is four months. I don't see how they get the votes, you know, barring a change in Georgia for, in, for another relief package. You think this is the last relief package the country sees?
1: A lot's going to depend on Georgia. A lot's going to depend on Georgia. Of course, you're, you're going to have, in 30 days, you're going to have a president who is engaged in being president and who is not spending all of his time bemoaning the fact that he lost, but rather accepting the responsibility because he won. And that will make a big difference. But we really need the, the votes in the Senate. And while, and while we're talking about that, the Georgia early vote is really extremely high, and folks are volunteering to call and write letters to Georgia voters, and we certainly encourage everybody to participate in that. Did, did, you, did you see the story about the tax break that uh, Senator Leffler and her husband got on their mansion?
0: I did not.
1: Well, it's very interesting. The 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 house that they paid uh, something, something like nine million dollars for, and and spent a fair amount of money uh, upgrading it, magically somehow was assessed for just less than half that. Uh, and. Nobody seems able to explain what it was that caused that. I hope that, I hope that is getting a lot of news. I, wa- I want just, to just to acknowledge the fact that the Kilauea volcano is spewing acid stuff again, and I want to recognize that today is the 400th anniversary of the landing from the Mayflower folk at Plymouth, First time they went ashore four hundred years ago today. And then I want to also acknowledge the fact I should have really had yeah, this as a shout out that Wapato Wapato is actually doing something. There is a homeless shelter at Wapato. I, I I didn't believe that it was ever gonna happen.
0: it's quite remarkable. It took years and years and years and years. It's been a story, Dad, since you and I started in the old studio when X-Ray was launched. And now, finally, Wapato Jail, no longer Wapato Jail, now is being used. I think they have 33 clients now, which is not a ton. They're going to be up to 45, and then expand that after social distancing. Rules are relaxed. But yeah, starting already. They're going to try to they're going to expand to have more outdoor space and more natural light. Some of the things, by the way, that jails are not known for are natural light and nice outdoor spaces. Uh, but they've got work to do still there. But that facility is now being used indeed. Well, Dad, you wanted to talk about the cabinet. So what are we're, Biden is now driving to a full cabinet? More of the spots are filled. Pete Buttigieg, of course. Has been named Secretary of Transportation. What are some of the other cabinet choices you want to make sure people see? Or you have comment on.
1: Well, you, you mentioned Budajig. I think I, it's I would just like
0: to, to be clear.
1: Buttigieg. 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 Buttigieg.
0: Buttigieg. So I got it right. No, it's Jidjig both times. Budajig.
1: As uh, it was a hard G, isn't it?
0: No, I promise. It's Budajig.
1: The, the first, the first G is a soft G.
0: Both of them. Both of them are soft G's. He oh, says it. Oh
1: soft G, Yeah. Oh The way Buttigieg. I do the way
0: I do names, I listen to people how they say their name and I say how they say it. I don't always get it right, but that's that's my very best technique.
1: Well, anyway, he had, he was he was quite eloquent when he was asked by Egg Tapper as to what he thought his appointment both because of his age and because of his sexual orientation and he, 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 was, he was very eloquent about saying that he was standing on the, on the shoulders of giants who had, who had led that there. Uh, one, one of the best picks, I think, was Jennifer Granholm, and she is already uh, in the sights of Senator Barrasso of Wyoming, who is, if, if uh, we do not get two Democratic senators out of Georgia... Will continue to be the chair of the relevant committee, and he is after her because she wants us to move away from fossil fuels, and he, of course, wants us to continue to use coal because Wyoming coal is coal is very important in Wyoming. The the one of the big things is is what uh, what Congress does and whether or not they will grant a waiver for the nomination for the Department of Defense. And I suspect that racial politics will also have some influence on that. Uh, what are your thoughts on that one?
0: I just we just got a text in which distracted me for a moment, but I wanted to I wanted to acknowledge that it is Brian's last day engineering, wanted to give him a big shout out. Would love it if that weren't the case. But Brian, it has been a delight having you as part of the team, Been so grateful to have your help here. You are just a gem. Thank you so much. Where's Brian going? I don't know. Brian, where are you going? Dad, you ask questions that aren't part of the show.
1: Just, 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 he, whatever, wherever he's going, it's away.
0: Brian, go ahead.
1: I've got a job.
0: (laughs) What job you got?
1: Uh, I'll be doing full time care at uh, Larsh Portland. It's a home for adults with various intellectual disabilities well thank you for doing that yeah, wear a I'll mask be writing news for for the, the show so so you
0: say you're still going to be writing news you said yeah but you just won't be able to be here in the morning to do okay. this well thank you so much for doing that and thank you and congratulations for that gig and wear a mask Will i do. suspect that's probably there's probably rules about that there yeah yeah probably pretty strict ones that is vital well thanks man appreciate you uh, so, Dad, a name I don't know how to pronounce because I haven't heard her say it is the uh, U.S. representative of New Mexico who has now been named. Who's now the uh, the designee as secretary of the first Interior. Native
1: American in the cabinet.
0: First Native American in the cabinet, uh, and been lots of lots of um, uh, is it Holland? Uh, is it Deb Holland? The uh, would welcome a correction I'm in my that's pronunciation. the
1: pronunciation, but I, I have not heard it pronounced either.
0: As Secretary of the Interior, uh big shout-out to her. Uh, Lloyd Austin, we did have a chance to talk about it. as Secretary of Defense. We talked about Blinken. That was a pretty early one. Attorney General, not yet named. Not yet. What are some of your thoughts on Attorney General, Pop?
1: Well, I I, I really like the idea of Sally Yates, but... Uh, but uh, the Jones uh, Jones would certainly be a respectable appointment, and the judge would be a respectable appointment. It, it looks to me like there there's no losers on the short list.
0: We've got Tom Vilsack of Iowa. There's a name I uh, haven't that, heard for that a That one,
1: Vilsack uh, is the one is the one that's been that I that I'm inclined to think is a mistake. How come? Well, because he's he's just he he was he was a kind of a patsy for. For corporate agriculture, when he was when he had the job before, and he's uh, he's been a lobbyist for for big ag, and I just I'm not I'm not convinced that that he has a vision for agriculture. That and I'm you're
0: thinking. not a big fan of ethanol, and as uh, and as a guy from Iowa, Vilsack, and you probably disagree on ethanol.
1: I, I, ethanol ethanol is snake oil sold by corporate farmers in Iowa.
0: It is, you know, as you think about as you think about the appointments, of course. Right. So if you understand to understand the Democratic Party has lots of constituencies and that constituency, those set that set of constituencies includes large donors. Not only that. Right. When when somebody like Ralph Nader goes out and says ah, Democratic Party is just a corporate owned party that misunderstand. Like if you go to a Democratic Party meeting meeting in Multnomah County or in pretty much any state of the country, you don't see. Corporations there arguing for the Democratic Party to stand for you sound. You see a bunch of activists who are trying to figure it out, but as part of the constituency, it absolutely includes large donors and absolutely includes corporations. And and to understand Joe Biden, the way I understand Joe Biden, is I don't view Joe Biden as a DLC Democrat. That's not how I view him. I don't view him as a as you know as a '90s era Clintonian. I just view him as if you if you looked at the Democratic Party, he'd be almost smack dab in the middle. Of the Democratic Party not of where its voters are but where its power is and maybe just a shade I don't really subscribe I try not to I try to keep my brain subscribing to the uh, to the spectrum idea of politics but I tr- but but I'm just a shared uh, just a shade to the right of where that power is but not necessarily the right but to the traditionalist right the kind of the kind you know, Tom Bill's like hey I know Tom I've known Tom for a long time let's appoint Tom that is a dynamic that I think that we can understand uh, we can understand I think that is is one helpful way to understand the Biden presidency over the next years. And that means that some of the cabinet appointments, he's going to, well, he's going to be hearing about them from all the cabinet appointments. But, you know, if you're managing your politics, you got to make sure, if you're, you know, a Democratic president of the United States, that some of that base, that each element of the Democratic Party base is feeling like uh, there is some representation that they have in the cabinet. That, that They look at the cabinet and say, okay, there's somebody there I can call. And that me—it's it's why it's really important. It's one of the reasons it's really important that the first Native American is, there's finally a first Native American in the cabinet. It's why it's important that there's finally a member of the LGBTQ community in the cabinet. It's why—and there was somebody blowing up you know, Twitter about making sure that there were there was strong Black representation on the cabinet. There are also be people. It's very very different. I get that. There are also folks saying, okay, well, who are the folks who? Uh, who are the folks that I can call? I've been donating to this party for a long time. I've been wielding influence in Washington, D.C. for a long time. There better be some people that I can really talk to. And maybe that includes uh, maybe that includes Granholm for some, but that certainly includes Tom Vilsack for some. Kamala Harris, of course, is vice president. Who haven't we gone uh, gone through? Uh, uh, secretary of health and human services uh, is California's, uh, Attorney General uh, Javier Becerra,
1: and, and that strikes me as a really really good appointment.
0: And and I I have to imagine that that is helping to resolve that one one of the reasons for that has got to be the dynamics for the U.S. Senate in California that, that, that to help clear some of that clear some of that politics. If if Becerra runs for the U.S. Senate, uh, that either confirms or refutes my speculation right but i think that that's gotta be a big piece that we're also still waiting for secretary of labor uh those are the uh the big ones attorney general secretary of labor are the ones we're still waiting for secretary of commerce still waiting for secretary of education still waiting for dad any other uh cabinet appointments you wanted to speak to
1: I do, there are not i i have by the way we're, we're in the political area and uh I think it, Oh, I think in the political area it's worth mentioning that that uh, Mike Pompeo invited 900 people to a party and 70 people RSVP'd and fewer than 70 showed up, which <laughs> maybe was a straw in the wind. But I did some original research on DDT's money raising since the election. And if you will permit me, I would like to report on that. We we don't usually have original news, but this is original news that uh, I didn't get from some other news folks, but I went and gathered it myself. Do it up. In a 13-hour period on the Thursday, the 10th of September, I received 34, count them, 34 solicitations for money, which were clearly associated with DDT. And so, just for the heck of it, I made a list. I made a list of all of the different senders. There was Daniel Gade, who said, Defeat Terry McAuliffe. There was the Trump Mitch Alert, which said, Congratulations, and then wanted money. And then there was Team Mitch. The polls in Georgia was the subject. Kelly Leffler, less than one month left. Trump. Congratulations. Samantha G, hey, I'm in Georgia right now. Senate Conservative unchecked socialism calling all Trump supporters against the Huffington Post. Claude Tenney, we're still fighting for every vote. Doug Mastriano, urgent, off to the Supreme Court. David Perdue we're we're asking David Perdue, we know what that was we've been trying to get in Greg Stamp trickle down theory the uh, are, you, what, are you what are anyway, what, what are you these list, you're all listing you're senders but when yeah. I looked at where the senders came from it boiled down that there were only six six places that they were all coming from they were coming from emails at magatriumph.com News at defendthepresident.com, email at actright.com, email at magatriumph.com oh, that, 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 that I meant that already email at greatagain.org, info at magasupporters and info at magagrassroots Uh, the the big one was actright.com 17 of the 34 all came from that so you had all of these things ostensibly from different people different sources but all of them funneling money into DDT's coffers he is making out like a bandit
0: well Why don't we talk about what's happening? locally? we already talked about where uh, that that Wapato is finally opened. Uh, We had a comment. Anybody else have? I also want to get any other thoughts we'll have looking back at the year. Anybody have a story you want to make sure we don't forget from this year? 971-220-5979. State legislature, of course, having a special session, going to have the main session in January. Dad, today, back in the day, December 21st, is when the Mayflower Pilgrims came ashore at Plymouth Bay. This, there was going to be a four big 400th. You know, there was the 1619 Project. It was inspired by that being the 400th anniversary of slavery in the United States. Well, there were. The United States and the United Kingdom and the Netherlands were going to have a series of celebrations in 2020 to commemorate the landing of the Mayflower in the new world, or in at least this part of the world, and that, of course, not happening because of COVID. Uh, I don't know if you have any thoughts on the Mayflower. I don't know that I have great wisdom. Uh, The Oregon CARES Fund is being put on hold due to legal challenges. Dad, did you see this part, that they're putting $8.8 million into into a fund to await what the courts do? Yes, and that's I don't think that's a now, according to some court watchers, that it looks like there actually might be the challenge of the Oregon CARES Act might be successful. We'll continue to uh, to track that story. Uh, we've got a uh, the, the group of legislative staffers in Oregon are filing to form a union to be the first legislative staffing union in the country.
1: Yeah, let's talk about that. The thing—the thing that's curious about that is—is is that, correct me if I'm wrong, but as I recall, because I was—I was only in the legislature for, for about nine months, but you were—you were in for uh, four years, terms, yeah. And as I understand it, the—the the employer, although every every all the staff get their checks from the legislature, but the hiring, and the firing, and the management and the deciding on how much folks are paid, uh, if I understand it, is all by the individual legislator. And I'm I'm not quite sure how you have a union that addresses that. It'll be
0: interesting. It'll be interesting. When
1: when you've got 90 employers.
0: What's interesting is, but the paycheck doesn't come from, the paycheck is not signed by the legislator, right? The the legislator gets to determine, it is an interesting question, uh, the legislator ter- determines gets the budget and gets to write down how that budget is spent.
1: Right, and but then the they employer how many people are going to hire and and then the, the, they they have the amount that they can spend they decide how many they're going to hire and then who's going to get paid what.
0: But the employer is not the legislator. The employer is still the state. So I think it might not be that complicated because you'd still have you then just have a collective bargain with the state and. That would either take it out of the hands that setting wage levels uh, would be taken out of the hands of the legislators, and everybody to get paid roughly the same, or there you might give a range. To legislators, you can, or you might give a set of options, right? And so you could say, okay, well, you you can have, let's say, three different. Options for how you're going to organize your pay structures, and I'm going to choose option B, or I'm going to have these slots. I'm going to have you know slot A and slot B, and slot A pays one thing, and slot B pays another thing. So I do think there will be some, uh, I, but that's not a that's not a legal problem. That's a math problem. That's a that's a contractual problem. That's just figuring out the uh, figuring out some creative options for how to structure that thing. Uh, but I do think it's an interesting. I, I do think it's interesting development
1: and, and how, do you really do you really want to have some rule that says this is this is what you have to pay your employees and this is the number of employees you can have so you you have some some uh, senator or representative who who has a lot of eager folks who are willing to work for not much money because they are so convinced that he or she is going to do wonderful things and therefore you're going to have a staff of several as, as opposed to somebody who is only going to have a staff of two or three. You also you have the interest, interest, the interesting issue, is, is there going to be any conflict if you have a, a union for staff when the, one of the traditions in the Oregon legislature is hiring one's spouse or hiring one's child, but especially hiring one's spouse. As a way to to put beans on the table for, because the the job pays so little that, that that's another wrinkle that, uh, yet,
0: that no yeah an, that's another interesting one and and in general will I mean so often what is negotiated by labor is something about seniority right the new workers have less power older workers have more power and and but there has been I mean it's very much been a, an at will situation almost to the extreme in legislative offices. A large set of legislative aides work for a single session, right? Work for their member for one session. That's, that is the most traditional thing uh, because otherwise, if you, if you keep doing it year after year, there's a re, there are multiple reasons why it spouses. Uh, one, particularly if, imagine if you're downstate, uh, if you do that, it's a, it's a way to get the living wage. You know, the, generally, the staffer gets paid more than the legislator, right? The legislator gets a per diem, and so if you add it up, sometimes you include that per diem, it could be a little bit more. Uh, but the but absent the per diem, the staff definitely gets paid more than the legislator, and that was and the per diem has gone up more recently. But traditionally, the the chief of staff or you know the legislative chief legislative aide of a state legislator, state house member, state center, was getting paid more than the legislator, and so very and, often. And of
1: course, you 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 have a bigger budget for for the session than the rest of the time is the reason so many. So many employees just come for one session and that's it, is because they they can't afford to take a fifty percent pay cut for the rest of the year.
0: And so, will there be will there be a uh, some benefit of seniority? Will it change the uh, change not only how much folks are paid but also the rules about hiring, the rules about dismissal? We'll continue to track that story. Other things going on. Chinook salmon dad are spawning in the upper Columbia River. First time in decades. Colville tribal biologists discovered 36 salmon nests. They're called reds. Salmon have been blocked from that part of the river since the building of the Chief Joseph Dam back in the 1950s and the Grand Coulee back in the 1930s. Since 2014, tribes have been working towards reintroducing the fish into the river. Last year at a cultural event, 60 salmon were released above the Chief Joseph Dam. 100 more released further north in August of 2020. Researchers are pleasantly surprised by a higher survival rate and the amount of spawning. I don't know if COVID has helped the fish, but I'm glad for the fish.
1: You just, you just took one of my straws in the wind. The, 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 the salmon in the upper Columbia up above the Grand Coulee Dam in the San Poyle. I don't know how to pronounce that, but it it's spelled Sanpoil San Poyle River, one of the tributaries of the Columba. That's a big thing, or at least potentially is a really big thing.
0: Salmon help define who we are geographically. Salmon are one of the really special things about the Pacific Northwest in so many ways, including they're such a canary in the coal mine, such a salmon in the river, if you will, such an indicator of how we are interacting with the natural world, as well as such a driver of uh, native culture is such a driver, heck of what makes it wonderful, you know, for for people who do eat meat, the uh, wild salmon, one of the one of the finest things that one can eat uh, as an Oregonian. So yeah, shout out to that, Dad. What else do you have before it's time for strong the wind?
1: Well, the uh, w- couple of other local things that I want to mention, I, I my f- feelings that I expressed last week about the red house. Are, are intensified I think it's been just a scam and I think that uh, I hope that there's prosecution of the f- folks who who put up the barriers and then attacked reporters who one one man who attacked a woman reporter bloodied her hand saying cam- cameras were the police we just can't put up with that and this this notion that Somehow you can declare yourself part of a sovereign nation, and therefore laws don't apply to you, and so you can borrow money, and then you don't have any obligation to pay it back because somehow, even though you get all of the benefits of a free society, you don't have any responsibility to the free society. It's just crap. Really concerned about the gunfire that's showing up all over Matt Hennessy, of course, who's a, who is a friend, and, and I think a friend of the show, who... Uh, was uh, conducting by Zoom his his service for his church up on Vancouver Avenue, and there were something like 60 shots fired outside. He went outside, and there were there were shells all over the place, pretty scary. And then some up news for folks who are not familiar with the Santa Clones. The Santa Clones. Are little things that are left around. If you want to see a Santa clone, I understand. If you go to Chris Willis's Instagram, you can get hints on where you might be able to see a Santa clone. I want to get
0: back to the. uh, I want to get back to the gun violence thing, because this is this is a humanitarian issue. It is a crime issue. It's also a political issue. On Friday, along with the police chief and the director of uh, of the Office of Violence Prevention, the mayor address the recent, sp- the recent increase in gun violence. We've had 858 shootings in Portland in 2020. Uh, 224 people have been shot and injured. 39 people have been killed. In March, he reported a 150% increase in shooting injuries. That's, of course, before COVID. Uh, the mayor was criticized by the police bureau for dissolving the gun violence reduction team. That was something pushed by uh, Joanne Hardesty. The Gun Violence Reduction Team, of course, was the new name. What used to be called the Gang, uh, it was a Gang Enforcement Unit. Was that the it, it, Gang was the first word? The uh, the criticism of it was: No, we need to focus more on long-term issues, uh, more on things that lead to violence, like economic instability, and that the and and that you, if you have things like uh, gang uh, response units, that it's going to be, it's going to increase. Cultures within police departments that are racially biased. Uh, the the counter has been, and here you know one of the sergeants, uh, a former member of that team, says, "Well, right now there is no uniform component that is contacting the subjects involved in gun violence or any of the back and forth retaliation stuff." End quote. And 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 sure enough, I mean, I, I think I said, I know I said on this show that I first time in my life I saw a shooting. I didn't see. Uh, luckily, I didn't see a hitting. I didn't see someone actually get struck. But I saw uh, I saw shots fired from a car, 28 feet away from me, uh, and it was it was a harrowing event, uh, and it and it was right in that realm of town where there's been a bunch of back and forth shootings. So this is so how that's going to be dealt with is something important to watch and uh, and and is a and is a big deal. How do you address how do you address gang violence? in a way that is long-term? How do you address gang violence in a way that does not exacerbate cultures of racial oppression? Uh, Because it can't be either or, right? We can't just have, we can't work on only one problem. We can't just say, okay, we care about racial oppression or we care about gun violence. We have to care about both of those things. Of course, if we did something about how many guns are out in the universe, that would be one thing that would help. But that's not the only thing. And given what the current... uh, current Constitution of the Supreme Court, that's not the even the primary thing we can deal with that. Anything else before we get to a straw in the wind?
1: Yeah, I just want to think we should mention that today there is a special session of the legislature. Let's hope it goes well.
0: The special session is something that we'll be reporting on. Dad, in a minute, he needs a couple minutes, but in a couple minutes, we got another minute or two. We're joined by Stephen Brobeck, the director of the Consumer Federation of America, He's going to be talking to us about a lawsuit filed by REX. Dad, why don't you explain this a little bit if you want to well, guess what your it, suggestion it,
1: the, the lawsuit by R- REX which is which is a, a national realty uh, company that that is resisting the idea that there should be a fixed price that you cannot avoid when you want to sell your home. But the bigger issue, the, the thing that's most important to, for him to talk about is, is not the, the local lawsuit, but the bigger issue as to about uh, commissions that are paid realtors and, and state laws that protect them so you can't get a better deal. And, and that's that's a really important issue, and, and that's what I'm looking forward to hearing about.
0: So public choice theory, which I think has received far too many accolades and has significant uh, significant problems, but that they describe lobbying as rent-seeking behavior and discount the the benefits of democracy. Discount the reality of altruism within the political discussion. Discount that such a thing as the public interest can exist. But the idea of rent-seeking behavior is still, nonetheless, an important concept. And we have a lot of laws that are put in place by lobby organizations to protect their industry. I think that'll be the argument that Brobeck might even make. So we're going to talk about discount brokers and more right after the break. But, Dad, I think we do have time for straw in the wind.
1: And I have a straw in the wind.
0: By the way, are you? Oh, I'll go ahead and do a straw straw in the wind.
1: Straw in the wind. Straw in the wind. Fort Hood, which is one of those... Military bases named after a Confederate general. There have been fourteen officers suspended or fired, because removed from from the, their post because of the bad handling or even no handling of sexual harassment and sexual attack cases. But the straw in the wind that is important is among those fourteen is a general. And a colonel. When you get up into the birds and the stars, change is a coming.
0: Well, Pop, we did it one more time. Are you going to stick around and talk to Steve Brobeck, or am I doing that?
1: You're going to talk to Steve Brobeck. I'm going to. I'm going to listen with interest.
0: Well, I look forward to that.
1: And to all of our listeners, this is, we think, the last live broadcast in 2020. Have a wonderful Christmas, a Happy New Year, and we look forward to being back with you the first Monday in January.
0: Well, Pop, love you.
1: Love you, too. Have a good one.
0: We did it one more time.